This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch handmade hot sauce made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. Well, here, here we, we are, are. Episode, episode 65, and on, and on this, this episode, Jack, Jack is, is back. back. Yeah, he's uh, had, had a pretty, pretty good, good summer, summer, if you ask me. me. But his, his contract, contract states he has, he has to come in and do an, an episode every once in a while, so here he is. is. And on, on this episode, we're going to talk, talk about, about cool movie scene songs, Alice Cooper, and I'm going to put Jack to the test. It's a trivia. And enjoy. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The KLFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host, Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction, as usual, as she starts her college career this week. Well, I think she starts uh, Monday, so she's just getting acclimated. I'm sure she's being a good girl and going home early and saying her prayers, taking her vitamins, drinking her milk, and going to, yeah, she's going to Florida State University. I don't think that's happening. But out of sight, out of mind. Anyways, welcome to the podcast. You know the name, so I'm not going to say it, but I think I have to say it because right now we're streaming live over Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, D live and YouTube. So for the Twitch watchers and the D live, I just throw it out there. Something's got to stick, right? So, uh, yeah, Jack is back. Jack's back. Did I forget anything? No, I think, uh, yeah, Jack's back. Finally. I don't know for how long I think he'll probably disappear for another eight weeks or something, you know, but Hey, it is what it is. He has to come in every once in a while. It's part of his contract. I'm sure he worries. I'm sure he worries when he's not here. I, th- I think he worries about you know, getting replaced. I don't know. I don't know. You got to keep, sometimes you got to keep them on their toes. So without further ado, let's bring in Mr. No Show himself, Jack Calabrese. <laughs> hey, what's going on, Scotty? Shut up. Wait for your audience. Look at you. You're already, you're ready to go. I, yeah. Mr. No Show. So, so Jed, just show, just so you know, I'm not that worried. <laughs> you should be. I'm not that worried. You should be. It's it's okay. I know. I know There's that the show right is much. You have found talent that is so far superior to me coming on the show. I just well, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to step out. It's okay. Have you listened to the two hour episode, the two and a half hour episode? Have you listened to any of those? No. Nope. All right. No. Okay. 
They, two hours. It's the long and two and a half with me and Mark Smith from the Music Relish podcast. So I, I have no doubt that Mark Smith and you know the guys from Music Relish are very, very interesting and captivating. But I would love to see your metrics and to see how many people are actually staying the entire two hours. That's so, a big commitment. So we've actually had now. Okay, the, for the people that don't understand live streaming, live streaming isn't technically about the actual in in person, the live views. It's about the after views. That's when you get the majority of your views. But it's 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 factual in the live streaming world that if you can keep someone watching your live stream for more than eight minutes, the, it, is that a guitar I hear in the background? Are you starting I up already? I just I figured you missed it. It's so fucking peaceful without that fucking thing. So if you can keep a, a viewer's interest for eight minutes or more, then you're doing something right, they say, because it's a scrolling world, right? So we had actually eight to nine people watch the whole two and a half hour show. <laughs> it's good. How many, when, how, 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 many, how many people? For the, for the duration, the whole thing, it was like eight or nine people. That That's not bad. For two and a half hours on a Wednesday yeah. night. That's that's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. Well, it, it, again, live streaming isn't like watching TV. It's not like no, I, instant ratings immediately. Yeah, and the app reviews are always in the hundreds, always in the hundreds, you know. So, you know, hey, listen, there, there's, all I'm saying is don't get comfortable. Don't get, don't get comfortable because there's people. No, uh, no. You, I, see, I know you, you're that guy. You're acting like I don't care. I don't, I don't care. care. You're like I don't the care. Playground. You're fat. I don't care. I don't care if you call me so fat. What? I'm fat. So what? Let somebody else be fat too. You know. Dude, you want to hang around with your other fancy music friends? You go right the uh, fuck ahead. You'll come <laughs> crawling back to me eventually. You'll so, miss it. It's hey, like, hey, like so, a heroin. Hey, 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 can I can I, yeah. I have to interrupt you just for a of second? Of course you are. You're back. Why wouldn't you? I don't know if it's me, but your audio is muffled. All right, hold on. Not not the whole time, but it, it kind of comes in and out. So you know what I'm you doing? I'm, I'm clipping. That's why. Hold on. Let me let me adjust the volume here. Hold on. I got a new mic, so it's got a sound. No, nope. let's go back here. Home. Let's go over here. Channels one. Level. I'm gonna bring the level down. Is it? Does it click? Does it do that when I get loud? It was. It was. It's. It seems like it's better now. Yeah, I had to adjust the the levels. You know, yeah. I it's all right. Oh no, it's still kind of doing it. You just. Is it really? Yeah, and again, I don't. I don't know if it's your mic or if, if it's me. But it, it seems like. It's like. How about now? Ooh, ooh. Now it's now Wow, we're really in a fucking dear. Welcome back, Jack. <laughs> Is this part of your evil plan? Uh how about now? Does it does it sound better now? It is not it's not echoing now. Okay. Am I am I going to am I gonna have to talk like this for the whole show? You're modulating pretty well now. I can hear you. You're clear. Yeah, clear as a bell. Okay. Okay. Because I need to have, there's a certain level that you have to get 
to get your best sound. And I don't know, maybe I'm too close to the mic. Maybe I'm not close enough. I don't know. But I, all I'm saying is I haven't had this problem with the other guys. Yeah, Just, it's it's me. Yeah, it's, I get it. It's, it's, I get it. I think, yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's, sab- it's sabotage. You know, you're trying to set up your fancy friends to move on. So, <laughs> you know, you're having the technical difficulties, and now you say, you'll, you'll come to me and you'll say, look, you know, the show that I did with Mark and the Music <laughs> Relish guys, two hours, I had eight and a half people that listened the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. But, but, but when I had you on, they couldn't last two minutes. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, I don't know what to say about that. I'm not arguing with you. There's no argument here. (laughs) Ah, who am I kidding? I love you, buddy. You you know this is your show, too. (laughs) It's almost your show, too. It's my show, really. But anyways, yeah, so since you've been gone, uh, let's see. I don't want to go. You've been here once in the last nine weeks, so. (laughs) Trust me when I tell you this. There's a lot to cover. It's not uh it's it's not by my choice. If it were me, I would do the show every day, all well, day long. Where uh, I'm working, I'm in negotiations with the music relish guys to get a uh a, a one big like the the three of them, the two of us just have like a round table. I love all it. Music. I love it. But you you got to be ready to sit down and talk with these guys because they don't they they will they they will not be happy and i don't want to piss those guys off so what, what does that mean that that i have to show or i have to be prepared or yeah, what does that mean? sit down and do a long form show oh you mean i gotta stay the whole two hours no you can leave whenever you want that would be great you know this 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 contract that you keep talking about do, do i have my 15 minute nap built into that you're such a lightweight i am total total lightweight so uh tonight's uh what do you call them uh subjects uh, topics yeah oh, before you get into that interrupted me again that's my those guys didn't interrupt me but go ahead i i do have to tell you that uh <laughs> last week was it last week it was it the week before it was the beginning of that it was last week deborah and i the alternative music queen yeah that deborah is she and I drove down to Boston, had dinner in the North End, and went and saw who? Pet Shop Boys. Barry Manilow. <laughs> Barry Manilow. I don't know. So, you know, years ago when, we, when she and I first started dating, I took her to see Sinatra at the Worcester Centrum. It was probably 1990, maybe 1991. So it was somewhere in there. And Sinatra packed house, the Centrum, and I kid you not, the aisles were filled with oxygen tanks, walkers, <laughs> you know, crutches and things like that. Yeah. And, and, I re- and I remember her being kind of teary-eyed. It was like, what is wrong with you? And she was just like, all these people, they're, they're all so old. And I was like, you're looking at it the wrong way, honey. It was like, they're out. They're having a wonderful time. They're seeing one of their legends. Yeah. And almost 30 years later, there we are at Barry Manilow, oh. seeing one of 
Seventies icon. Seventies yeah, icon. She said to me, she was like, "Hey, this is like seeing Sinatra." I was like, "No, it's Dude, not. we're on the other side. We're on the other side of that spectrum now, baby." I was like, "No, no, 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 we are not." But I, I have to tell you, I don't think Barry Manilow has changed his set list, or his costumes, or his stage setup in twenty years. And why? You know, you know, you know, you know how when you go to a show right now, like it's it's more minimal, right? Yeah. You know, like it's it's a pretty clean stage, you know, good lighting, great sound, you know, kind of contemporary looking and, and um, you know, more technologically advanced. Yeah. He had the heavy drapes oh. side. Yeah. The heavy drapes going across. Oh, yeah. He came out in the red sequence sports coat. And you know, I have to tell you, for the first like song, I thought for sure I was like, "Oh man, look, I get it. He's seventy nine years old, but he's lip syncing. It just broke my heart." But then I realized that the screen that was closest to us was about a half second off. Oh, okay, yeah. And the other thing, the other thing that was throwing me off is he was holding his mic kind of low, and I was like, "Geez, that's a little bit weird." But the biggest thing that was throwing me off is that his voice sounded strong. And he was engaged and animated or whatnot, but his facial features and expressions oh, work. It doesn't move. It, it, doesn't move. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't reflecting the the effort to actually put out those things. And I realized he's had so much work yep. done, he can't move his fucking face. No, but he was. He was actually singing, and he was great. You know, I mean, for Barry Manilow, he did all the songs. His voice is still pretty uh, strong. He told all the stories. You know, he sat down at the little piano and talked about how he started out as a songwriter. He didn't aspire to be a singer initially. He he just wanted to be a songwriter, and he actually started out writing jingles. Yeah. So he was up at this little piano singing, I am stuck on Band-Aid because Band-Aid's stuck on me. He also wrote um, a lot of those famous jingles. Yeah. He also wrote, like a good neighbor, State uh-huh. Farm. He was like, that's my biggest hit of all time. It's been playing for 50 years. Yeah. But it was great. You know what? It was great fun. It was it was a lot of fun. We're balancing it out. We're going to actually go see Bauhaus in a couple of weeks. Ah, Deb's favorite. Deb's favorite. So. Yes. Peter Murphy is not the, uh, the healthiest, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, he is not. He's very... Well, he's not as fragile as that piece of shit, Phil Collins. That's all I'm going to say about that. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Uh, Why are you that. calling Phil Collins a piece of shit? Gee, I miss the whoa, whoa, whoa's, don't I? Yeah, but yeah. what? Yeah, but why? Why are you he's, calling Phil Collins a piece this of over. shit? A couple of years did, back. Well, not, okay. Okay. So. There, uh, by the way, that wasn't me interrupting. That was your mic reverbing. Is it doing it again? A little bit here and there. What the fuck? You know, hold on. I'm gonna shut this down. Hold on. Hi, April. Hey, Patricia. How you guys doing? <sighs> Technical difficulties. I don't mind you coming here. 
I enough of that. Enough of that. Okay. <laughs> so about I don't know. I don't know what you're you doing. You can't hear me. It's just all doing all types of weird reverb stuff. Mm. How about uh, that? Any better? Uh, Any better? One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. It's better? I'm, I'm wondering if it's me. Is it I don't know. It's me? I don't know. Do you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. All right, well, let's keep going. So you're mad at Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah. That So about, I don't know, it was like four or five, maybe five years back, me and the good doctor, we decide. Uh, I, I heard it on the radio. Phil Collins and his ex-wife, who she's a, that woman's a shock. She just, yeah, <laughs> the Latin, the Latin ex-wife. Uh, they, they started a foundation together, a school down here about music underprivileged kids, yada, 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 right? And every year they would have a concert, right? It was a fundraiser. They'd have an auction. Um, and this year, you know, a couple of years before that, Phil Collins had come out and he had played about four or five songs, right? And so they announced, oh, Phil Collins is going to play. And I'm like, you know what? That might be pretty cool. I mean, we went to this, like, uh, uh, this club down in Miami, down, down in Miami. It was like walking into a, a 50s nightclub in Havana. It's something we, just to see Puddle's Pity Party play two songs, sing two songs, right? So, all right, I pay like, I don't know, fucking 250 bucks for these tickets, right? It's a whole night. So we go there, and it's, it's okay. They get all these kind of Latin. They get a lot of Latin uh, artists from South America and local kids and it's going on and you're waiting just to see Phil Collins, his son, his son has a band. They played, they were okay. Right. Son plays the drums and they keep saying, yeah, Phil's coming out. Phil's coming out. Oh, we're going to do an auction now. So they do an auction. That's about fucking 45 minutes to an hour. Right. All right. Yeah. How, how big, how big is this venue? Just, just to it, give me uh, it's, it's like uh, going to the Orpheum. It was like something like okay. that. Okay. You know? Okay. Uh, except they had like um, they had tables down front, high tops for, for pay a little extra money to get there, and they were serving drinks. And you know, there's a couple of drunk ladies that was kind of annoying, but you know, they were going to see Phil Collins, and they keep saying, "Yeah, Phil's coming out. Phil's coming out." So that's getting toward the end of the show, and there's like a, a pause, there's a delay, and you think, "Okay, he's getting ready." And, Fucking MC comes out. Now they had already done an auction. They had, they did everything they needed to do. Fucking the the MC comes out with Phil Collins' wife, and he's like, "Ah, I got some bad news, people. Got some bad news. Phil went to the doctor. To, the doctor said he he can't play. So they knew this all along. These motherfuckers. They knew this all along, and they just drag it out. And they said, "Phil's he can't play tonight. He's not feeling good." But we're going to bring him out anyways. And the motherfucker comes out with a human shield. Comes out with his son. Who's going to boo him then? Right? Like, he walks out like he's this old, decrepit fucking guy. You know? Well, well he is. Had no intent. But this was like five years ago. 
So what was he in his, his late sixties then? He's you he's know? been in bad, bad health though. Yeah, and I'm, and look, I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not defending him, and I'm not excusing him. If they knew earlier in the day that he wasn't able to perform, did. you know, you went, you announced that at the beginning of the show. Yeah, and we would have left. Know, look, hey, hey, look, you know, look, I'm here. You know, I donate, or I'll donate, and let me get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and we're gonna refund if you want a refund. Just get in touch. Nah, that never happened. They kept the fucking money. So, did, did you try to get? Did you? Did you try to get a refund? Yeah. Fuck yeah. And they, they gave you the runaround? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. So fuck Phil Collins. Fuck Phil Collins. He could suck. All right. I won't, I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about that, that mother. He could play a free concert down the street, and I wouldn't go. I can't. So uh, he's, he's, he's kind of out of the business now, I think. Thanks for that. No, he was touring again. I saw something recently. No, he, yeah, they. I, th- I think they did the money grab with Genesis. Genesis doing one more tour yeah. where he, you know, I mean, they they basically rolled him out and put him on a, a stool. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, I I they, I think they played their last shows in the United States in Boston. And I was tempted because I, you know, I was a Genesis fan back in the day, and I loved Phil Collins back in the day and whatnot. But I watched, you know, a couple of YouTubes, and YouTube is a is one of those things where it can kind of help, and it kind of it can kind of hurt. You know, if you're watching um, a, a show that's coming to your town, it kind it can kind of ruin the surprise, yeah, and the spontaneity. But it also, you know, especially for those older acts, it's a way for you to kind of gauge like, okay, is it worth me spending my money to go see Phil Collins? Can he actually do it? And not just Phil Collins. Yeah, Guns N' Roses, Cat uh, Stevens, Gordon Lightfoot. Take your pick. Any of those people that are still out there touring, uh, you know, I admire the the fact that they are still out there doing it. But is it worth you laying down the type of money that they're asking you to lay down these days, are you actually going to get the value that you're looking for? So I saw an interview with Tears for Fears on uh, CBS Sunday morning. It was very, very, very reassuring that they were going to be the bomb, and they were. Yeah. So that's kind that. of, yeah, that was a good uh, setup. We we knew going into this, like, they're, they're good. They're solid. Everything's good. Yeah. Um, so... I was talking to my brother Colin the other day, co-producer, associate producer, and he'll say, "Yeah, I made this show. It wasn't for me." Created creative advisor. There you go. <laughs> He's gonna love you for that. <laughs> so, anyways, I, 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 I've decided that my favorite movie, my favorite Batman movie, of all the Batman movies, is. This latest one, The Batman. Now oh, I haven't seen it. It's really good. Now, I'm going to give you a little back, and this leads into cool movie scene songs, right? So everybody's used to the James Bond Batman, the Christian Bale, James Bond, smooth. Everything's already in place, right? He's got the greatest Batmobiles. He's got the greatest motorcycles. He's got the great you know, The Batman is actually straight to the origin story. He's actually a detective kind of in this. Everything's dark. The Batmobile, everything's scaled down and pulled back 
and it's the writing was good. The directing was good. Like I said, there's a whole generation that thinks Batman is like James Bond. It's really not. So yeah, kind of a nerd thing for me. As you can see, I got I got Batman right behind me. Yes, so, you do. Um, so when you watch the movie, and I I say I I highly suggest it, and just know that this is more of an origin story than any of the other ones. Then one scene, like at the beginning, they play Nirvana something in the way, and it just sets a fucking mood that movie immediately brooding dark like just deep you know and it just sets it up underneath the bridge you know and you know oh, how wait, they, whoa, whoa 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 don't stop keep going the bridge mm. my god you sound like phil collins hey Shut up. <laughs> I'm ready it. to lay down my 250 right now. I, I sing it, you know, once a show, I have to sing something. <laughs> Become a thing. So that kind of got me. And last week I was talking to Lou Calicchio from the Music Relish Podcast and Tom Spaloni from the Going Postal Podcast. And we got into like we were talking about Nilsson and then Midnight Cowboy. And a couple of things came up the week before with Mark Smith about movie songs and movies so i was like you know what it's all coming together so let's just do uh, a, a show on cool there's so many of them right it's fucking so many of them so i got a list i'm sure you have a list right i i don't i don't have a list but i have a couple that i that oh, i have off the top of my head a couple what the <laughs> way to come prepared jesus last week lou caligio had a fucking notebook Dude, it's great. It's serious, it's serious. Yeah, look, if you, no. if you haven't figured it out, I've been trying to work my way off this show for a year now. Yeah, well, you, until your contract's up, you're stuck. <laughs> um, so I'll start off. Not you know, that that's like the, the the kickoff, but Jackie Brown, 1997, Quentin Tarantino, right? The scene where Samuel L. Jackson goes up and gets. Uh, uh, Chris Tucker, because Chris Tucker got arrested, and he he works for Samuel L. Jackson, and so Samuel L. Jackson has to kind of has to kind of take care of the problem. He goes up, knocks on the door. He's like, "Hey, we got to go do a job. You want to go do a job? Yeah, yeah, I'll go do a job." He goes, "Come on." So they walk downstairs, and it's another Quentin Tarantino trunk scene. If you a lot of his movies have a trunk scene, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, pulp fiction you can go down the line right there's always a trunk scene and he tells uh he opens the trunk and chris, chris tucker's like well, what's that he goes you gotta get in the trunk man and he's like i, I ain't getting in no trunk you gotta get in the trunk man so he finally gets him in he closes it and you hear him go don't slam it right the coolest thing about it is they he he turns the car on and 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 the Brothers Johnson Strawberry Letter 23 comes on. Ah, uh, great song. Right? The beginning. Great but song. The cool thing about that scene is as he's driving away, the song fades out. Like the car moves away and the song gets lower and lower. Then, of course, he drives like, I don't know, he takes a left and takes a left into the middle of a field and the camera's still watching it. He gets out and just goes boom, boom, boom into the trunk. Kills him. But. It was uh, definitely Strawberry Strawberry Letter 23 is a great fucking, and that fit perfectly. 
So, so should we stay with the Quentin Tarantino theme and go right into Reservoir Dogs with pick, Stuck yeah. in the Middle? Epic scene, right? Epic scene, Steeler's Wheel. Yep. Yep. You know, Michael Madden, Madsen, Madsen. Michael Madsen. Madsen. Yeah. That, that is just one of those. He, you know, it, it, it actually, in a way, kind of ruined the song. Because that song was one thing before seeing that movie, and now it's a it's a whole other thing. It almost reminds me of I remember back in the earlier days of MTV, they were interviewing, I believe it was Sting, where he was saying that, you know, look, I, I have a love-hate relationship with, you know, MTV and the music videos because, you know, I remember listening to, you know, a particular song and and kind of creating my own visuals in my head in terms of what I thought the song was about and the imagery that would come into my own mind. And now you're feeding it to me. And it, it now my mind is kind of competing with what it's being fed. And it's kind of hard to replace with what you're fed. So that Steelers wheel song, you know, a song from our childhood was, was always kind of a happy go lucky, kind of a quasi goofy one hit wonder, you know, type type tune. And then you see it in that scene do you ever listen to that song and not think about that movie? It's how epic the scene was, right? And so yeah. little, little known fact that you might know, you might not know. So in Pulp Fiction, John Travolta's character was Vincent Vega. That is right? correct. In Reservoir Dogs, Michael Madsen's character is his brother, Vic Vega. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, All right. right. Scott, the IT guy, says, is this movie reels and ammo cans? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Scotty ah. boy. <laughs> um, another great movie scene. Uh, and it's perfect how it ends, how it it jumps from one part of the movie to the next. So in uh, Full Metal Jacket, you know, uh, Goma Pyle or whatever his name, he kills the sergeant and then it kind of Ends there. Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio? D'Onofrio. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah. Good, good actor. Good actor. Um, and then it cuts. So now that, and, and, and all of a sudden you see a pair of boots from the ground level. Stanley Kubrick, right? And they start, and Nancy Sinatra's uh, boots were made. And you see the boots walking, right? Yeah. It's the it's the it's the Vietnamese hooker walking, and it just set up the whole second half of the movie. Like that, just now they're in Vietnam. Now they're right in Hanoi or Saigon, yeah. wherever they were, and it's <clears throat> it just absolutely sets off the whole second half of that movie with that yeah. song, and it's a great scene. And what's the famous line from that? Oh, I'm being so horny. <laughs> Me love you long time. Me love you long time. Me love you long time. Oh. No, you. You too, Buku. <laughs> you too, Buku. Oh, no, no. Yeah, something you've never heard. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so Full Metal Jacket, Nancy Sinatra, these boots. Were no, made. that's, you know what, that, that, I, I got to give you props for that one because that's not one that, that other people, you know, may cite. But it is, it's kind of like the start of the second act, yeah. Yeah. you know, like it's a, it's a full it's and clean awesome. break. It, it, it just kind of, uh, you know, you, you go from that dark, dark music in that horrific, 
bathroom scene. And, and all of a sudden it just kind of lifts things up and it kind of brings you into a new state. It, it just, it's almost like a palate cleanser. Yeah. You miss the whole, like they're there now they've been there. Yeah. They didn't just get there. They've been there. Yeah. No, that's, you know? that's a good one. That's, that's, yeah. that is, that is a good one. I'll oh, tell you yeah. one of my, fa- one of my favorite ones. And, and this might be cheating a little bit because it is kind of a music movie is uh, almost famous. Okay. When, yeah. When they have you seen it? Of course. Of course. So when they uh go to get the the main character, Russell, who's on an acid trip and he ends up at this you know weird house party, and um they're all driving in the bus, and tiny dancer starts yeah. coming on, and one by one they start kind of singing it. Great scene. That that is just quintessential, just amazing, and just actually, in a way, elevates that song to a level that it may have not ever been. Is there a time you hear that song that you don't think of that scene? No, right? Going um, back to our dogs. You, you know what? It gets I, I brought kinda up. Kind of go, kind of go, go back and forth. Uh, you know, I can kind of, I have my own images of of that song. I couldn't tell you what they are off the top of my head. Well, you say it every time you go to the bathroom, so <laughs> tiny dancer. <laughs> no, you say too too buku, too buku. You know, buku. I take you, I take you, I take you. I take you. You're not buku. You're no buku. <laughs> <laughs> but that you know that that that's one of those those movie scenes for me where. The music is just so perfectly, you know, syncopated and situated and coordinated with what's going on in the scene. And there's there's an obvious emotional lift of everybody that's on that that bus that it actually does kind of give me goosebumps to actually see that scene. Certainly the first time that I saw it, I was just absolutely blown away. Uh, but I, I honestly oh, right. do think that that's, that's one of those. Cameron Crowe directed, right? Correct. Correct. I, I think that that is one of those, just a really, really good use uh, of a song. And, you know, Cameron Crowe directing it and his involvement with Rolling Stone and the music business, that that movie is littered with great songs that are coordinated so well uh, with the, the music um, and, the, and the scenery that's going on there. And if I remember correctly, I'm sure that Cameron Crowe had a ton of influence in terms of what was being used where it was being used, how it was being used. But I think the music director or whoever was uh, responsible for coordinating it was actually Nancy Wilson of Heart, who at the time was married to Cameron Crowe. Right. Right. I don't know that, but okay. Makes sense. Well, you seem really impressed by it. No, I mean, why not? Right. (laughs) Give her a spot. It's my wife. She's a musician. (laughs) She's famous. She plays the guitar. (laughs) She's hot. Let her do it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to go outside the box. In 1989, a Spike Lee joint, Do the Right Thing, and it's actually in the movie twice. Public Enemy, Fight the Power. Now, it's at the beginning with Rosie Perez when she was really hot. and She was a, she was a 90s hottie, but then it actually is uh, that scene where Radio Raheem has his boom box and 
He won't turn it off inside the pizza joint. And that's when all hell breaks loose and the cops end up killing him and the neighborhood just erupts and it's the rest of the movie. It's a very, very good movie. Um, it's probably, I would say, one of Spike Lee's best movies. Uh, it definitely was a little bit ahead of its time, maybe. Um, or maybe it was right on time. That's why he made it. Either way, public enemy, fight the power and do the right thing. Radio Raheem. You you can't argue with the fact that that movie had an honesty about it. I think I think there was a segment of the population that didn't understand it. You know, certainly, you know, the the ending and, you know, the pizza place being, you know, burnt down and it's um it's a polarizing movie and probably a positive thing in the in the long run, but you know, something that exposed people not only to maybe a different attitude, but some different music as well. And I think to your point, you know, Fight the Power was perfectly utilized in that particular film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you got? What else you got? <clears throat> one, of, one of the other ones, and, I, and I've, for whatever reason, I'm thinking, you know, more of some of the epic movies that are out there. What about the use of the end by the doors in Apocalypse Now? Yeah, that's actually the the opening scene, right? It's part of the it's right at the beginning of the movie. And but picks up at the end as well. Yeah, yeah, it picks up you at know, the end. It, and and I'll tell you as as you know, being kind of a a music nerd, um, you know, one of the things that I really appreciated about it is, is it wasn't the kind of standard version that you actually heard on either The Doors Greatest Hits or The Doors first album. But it it it, it seemed like they had lifted some alternate things that were left out of the original mix. So just, just little things that Morrison was kind of ad-libbing as they were recording it. Just to me, you know, again, being kind of a music nerd, you know, I was almost a little bit distracted by some of the things that I was hearing that I hadn't heard before, which was kind of cool. And I, you know, I really kind of appreciated that, but you know, again, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, you know, just a genius in terms of being able to kind of utilize music in those places. Seven minutes of Martin Sheen tripping and drinking and just ad-libbing that whole scene in the in the yeah. hotel room, you know? Yep. And yep. then at the end when they fucking sacrifice the ox, they cut the shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, while, while, while the end is playing. Yeah, at the so they played it twice, just like, you know, do the right thing. Fight the power play twice. Um, so, oh, this is a great scene. From Fight Club, 1999 Fight Club. The ending, the last scene where Edward Norton tells, I think her name was Myra, Myra, the girl. Uh, you met Myra. me at a strange time in my life, right? And they're standing there looking out the windows. And the pixies, the build, where, is, where is my mind? comes on building and collapsing in the background and it's a perfect song for that movie perfect song for the ending where is my mind because he was fucking crazy (laughs) so that 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 fit perfect and it was a great scene just the from behind them looking out and every building drops every fucking building today that would be called terrorism i don't know i don't know well, I, I think it would have been called terrorism back then as well. 
I think today they would get canceled. It would get canceled because it's too violent. And you're going to make the incels wake up and you're going to, they're going to blow up buildings. We can't play that. Oh, Jesus. And there was no, there was no representation in the, in that movie. There was no representation. (sighs) Yes. Oh, I'm lying here. This isn't how movies go today. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) what do you got next? Don't what about what about what about Lust for Life by Iggy Pop in the oh, beginning train of Train Spotting? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A good you know, one. It, to, to me, to me, that's a, that's another another one of those, um, you know, movies and songs where I, I don't think anybody was really listening to Lust for Life by Iggy Pop. You know, I, I think that there was a segment that that were you know a little bit more maybe hip, a little bit more kind of punky and whatnot that new Iggy Pop and new Lust for Life. But that movie made that song popular amongst the masses, well beyond the Iggy fans. Yeah, I, I, I would assume you're right. Oh, hold on, I just got. Uh, no, no, let's see. Not, not assume I'm right. I'm right. God damn it! <laughs> so uh, we'll stay. We'll stay in the uh, in the British movie scene, right? And uh, there's a great movie. That I suggest you watch called Lock Stock, Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. It's a Guy Ritchie film. Guy Ritchie film. Great. A lot, a lot of good music in his films. Did you see that one? In oh, sure. Sure. So the scene where uh, 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 Big Chris, played by uh, Vinnie Jones and his son, they're about to get in like a, into a dust up, you know, and they're on their way. And, and, and this song comes on. It's I talk about a perfect fit. That's James Brown, the boss. Talk about it. That's a great. I've seen that movie like three or four times. It is such a great movie. I, I love all, most of his movies, if not all, all of his movies. But you know, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels in Snatch, Hilarious. and yeah. and the the gentleman. But in Snatch, what about the use of Golden Brown by the Stranglers? Is just perfect in that in that particular scene. Yeah, I I don't remember that, but I'll take you I'll take your word for oh. it. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know the song though, right? Um. I'm not sure if I do. I, I'm sure I oh do. My God, I'm sure I do. All right, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I have to find it for a second. You know, uh, Lou Colicchio came up with a great one last week. We were talking about Donovan and uh, the song uh, "Atlantis" by Donovan. Uh, we, yeah, we were talking about it, and it's. He says that's in the scene. I think it was the scene where they beat up Billy Bats in 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 the in the bar room, and that's playing in the background. Got it. We got we got kind of tapped on our YouTube video last week because I did. What did you you use? 
Well, I did a, um, speaking of Atlantis, I did a, uh, I, I, I did a, uh, an edit and I took the beginning of Atlantis, the, the guitar solo and the building and the beginning of Oasis. Um, the fuck's the name of the song now? I, I get this all of a sudden. Um, the fuck's the name of the song? Anyways, it's a match. And then halfway through the song, uh, picks up and it's almost the same song the oasis song um you mean this song listen oasis it's not like in the lost city of atlantis ah oh, that that mother he just went what do I do here? Yeah, that that ruins the whole song. Actually, that that actually ruins the whole song. What so, song? What? What does? Let me see if I got it. Let me play. I don't know if this is going to come over. Oh, you know what it is? It's it sounds exactly like that song is an almost a an exact replica, except for that there was a magician, a pirate. And a sailor <laughs> sailing across the sea, looking for magical and they painted he, sails, and there were three of them, and they butcher. loved each the other. The butcher, the baker, Bob Gillis, the pizza maker, all around the world. <laughs> if you listen to that song, and then you listen to all around the world, it's exactly <laughs> they they basically stole. That song from Donovan. So, um, <laughs> was that mine, or was it? Do you have one? Did you just have one? I lost track. Uh, I I just gave you I gave you the the, the stranglers, but I, I can go back a little bit. Not not only used once, but twice in a movie, in almost the same similar scene. So I'm going to go back a little ways. Just a brilliant use um, was. The Sounds of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel in The Graduate. When he falls back into that pool and he just kind of submerges and he's just holding his breath is is really amazing. And then just used so hilariously and effectively in old school with Will Ferrell. When yeah, I like, that version. I like that version better. <laughs> I like that version. <laughs> um, from The Watchmen. 2009. Yep. Oh, you got to watch it. It's a good movie. It's I don't movie. Do It was voted, uh, it was a graphic novel, but it was voted one of the top 20 books of the 20th century. It's really good. So the opening scene where they have, they go back to like the 40s. It's like an alternate universe and there's superheroes like a whole shitload of them. Some of them formed groups and they go back and they play, they start from back then. And then they kind of do a, a low, a little montage of how it moves along, how some of them got committed, how some of them died. And the song they play is uh, the times they are a changing. Now that song fits perfectly with the, how they did that. And they brings you right up to current day of the movie. Uh, it, it, it was a really good fit. 
for that movie. So, so how do you feel about about those um, movies that are that are that are good movies and can probably stand on their own? But by and large, they're soundtrack movies. So, so I'll give you a couple just to to kind of consider. American Graffiti, Forrest Gump, and maybe even, well, how about The Big Chill, and maybe even Animal House. Saturday Night Fever is probably the... Saturday Night Fever is another good one. But, um, but how how do you, how do you feel about those those movies that they almost seem like they're actually built around the soundtrack? Well, American Graffiti, they it would be little clips of music. Yeah. But that that sure. was the popular shit at the time. Like, so if you play a clip like like Pulp Fiction, great great fucking soundtrack. Except there's one song that's in the movie that's not on the album. They, it's it's a it's it's a scene where Bruce Willis is driving off in the motorcycle. It's not a motorcycle, baby. It's a chopper, right? And they take off, and you hear the Twilight Zone song. They wouldn't let him put that on the album, so they replaced it with like a Dick Dale song or something. Yeah, but exactly. um, uh, I I don't I don't see any problem with it. I think I I like those well, I, little bit the scene. I don't, and, I, I don't I don't think it's an an issue at all and and i love those soundtracks even the big big chill soundtrack i think exposed a lot of people to music that they may have overlooked in the past and i think that's kind of a uh, a cool thing uh you know who we who we haven't really talked about in terms of really being a, a genius in terms of using uh music in in movies is scorsese oh he's yeah my brother and i were talking about that today he's he's, probably- he's the king Okay, okay. I think he's good at taking particular songs and putting them in a movie for an entire scene. I think he can create he creates like music videos out of them. Um but in the background, it's not like Quentin Tarantino that has like or like an American graffiti, there's always something playing in the background on the radio here. I mean he made a whole scene out of Layla, right? Pretty much. Uh, what was the one in Casino? Uh, the Stones, Can You Hear Me Knocking, right? So I think he's good at picking those particular songs and playing the whole song and putting the movie to that. Well, wait right? a minute. What about, because, I mean, you guys were talking about Nilsson last week, you know, when I wasn't invited on the show or whatnot. But what about the Nilsson song, Jump Into the Fire, in uh, in Goodfellas? That whole kind of manic scene with the helicopter above and, yeah, okay. you know, yeah, you know yeah. he's going to get Come on, he's he's just great at that. I mean, even you know some of the stuff yeah. that's in like the Departed, you know, and he's 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 obviously a big Stones he's guy. guy. You know, he's a big music guy. He's big right? music guy, big Stones. Well, yeah, he directed he directed the Last, the Last Waltz. Waltz. Yeah, and he did the Stones documentary. Yeah, you know, a couple few years back. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, listen, it's uh, I'm glad he does it because he makes good good memories out of those things because you always think of you know casino or uh, uh yeah it was casino that he played Layla right and you just kind of oh was that Goodfellas I think I think that was casino Goodfellas. I think Goodfellas was Layla wasn't it and oh no no, you- no 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 it was I think Layla was uh Goodfellas because yeah. It's that the end of um, Layla, you know, where you have kind of the strings and Dwayne Allman playing the slide. Isn't that when they were actually showing like all of the dead bodies, like yeah, people yeah. being, 
you know, coming yeah. out of the, 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 you know, the trash, you know, the trash truck. Yeah. Tommy two times was in that was in yeah. the freezer. Tommy two yeah, times. Yeah. He said everything two, sure. times. two times. That was, that, that was the Layla scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned midnight cowboy. Everybody's yeah. talking at me at the beginning. A young, a young John Voight, right? A young, he's, young. He's, putting, he's got his boots. He's getting ready to go. He got his cowhide suitcase, black and white, you know, cowhide. Got his cat. He's, he's ready to hit the big city. He's leaving Texas, you know. He's walking. He's got a little transistor radio with him, and he was ready to go be a gigolo. Yeah. yeah. Hey, how, yeah. About back in that, how about back in that same time? What about Easy Rider? That's a classic, yeah. Born to be yeah. wild, you know the pusher. The pusher, yep, yep. Steppenwolf Steppen- did pretty good with that movie. Yeah, they did. They got two good songs in there. Yeah. Um, then you can go back to so that that was in um, sixty nine, Midnight Cowboy, and then same same year, nineteen sixty nine, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. What's the scene from that? Raindrops yep. keep falling on my head. Thomas, I had that 45. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, it's like the middle of the movie where everything's calm for them. And they, but they both are in love with the girl. I forget who's pretty, pretty actress, pretty girl. Um, so yeah, there's that one. What else, what else do you have? Uh, I think that's it. I'm going to go with one more. And this one actually is an interesting one. This song was in two movies. It was in the movie that the song was either named after or, <laughs> or the song was named after the movie, one or the other. And it was in Inglorious Bastards. Okay, so it was first done in 82 and then in 2009 in Inglorious Bastards. And the song is Cat People. Putting out fire. So you have the movie Cat People. It came out in that. And I looked at that movie. That movie in 1982 had Nastasia Kinski, Malcolm McDowell, John Hurd, Ed Bagley Jr., Frankie Faison. If you watch The Wire, he was the police commissioner. And John Larroquette was it. We were all in that movie. Wow. Right? That's pretty cool, right? And then yeah. it was in the scene of Inglori- Inglorious Bastards. It was uh, Chapter 5, Revenge of Big Face, when the girl, she was uh, uh, she was like a uh, a rebel. She was part of the, the Rebel Alliance or whatever that was trying to overthrow Hitler. And they spliced. The, it was the night of the big Hitler's movie premiere. Uh, what was the name of the movie? Um, Nation Pride. And she had ended up putting a clip in the middle of it of her in its red dress and like making the statement against the Nazis. And she's getting, she got her little gun and it's just the whole scene of her putting the makeup on and then cutting to how they got it into the movie and this, that, and the other. it was just a good scene, but that's a good song too. Yeah. This, I it, mean, there's so many of them. And you know, we could talk about this for hours and hours. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, even, and you know, even you know, again, I, I think we've mentioned a couple of scenes that have elevated a song far beyond where it was. Like, I mean, think about think about what Risky Business did for old time rock and roll. I hate that song. I hate that song too. You know that, but the unfortunate thing is, 
almost that as much song as is on it. But it's, but aside aside from that, this it's actually not a bad soundtrack. And and actually, the best use of music in that movie, at least for me, was Manish Boy by Muddy Waters. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Love that's great, that. That's a great song. Uh, I think Inglorious Bastards kind of. I think it took some heat because the the music didn't line up with the time, right? Yeah, that didn't that didn't bother me. Well, it didn't bother you, but there were some people like it doesn't make sense. Like Peaky Blinders caught a little bit of heat for playing like you know the the Nick Cave song, right? Red right Red right hand, and a lot of other like modern day songs. But he put them into the, the director put them into. Um, those movies for those time pieces, right? So a lot of people kind of like, eh, it doesn't make sense. But if you let that bother you, then you're fucking, I don't know. Now there's this one, then we'll move on. I'm not a big fan of this dude. But this song and this scene won him an Academy Award. Eminem, Eight Mile, Lose Yourself. You, you you're know not it. a big fan? No, you know I I, I I I know I love that song. Yeah, yeah. Uh no, I'm not I, a big I mean fan. I, I mean you know I think it was probably, you know, one of his most popular songs and deservedly so. I think that's his best his best song. Why don't, why I, aren't you a fan? I just don't like his style. Why? I don't like his style of rapping. It doesn't it's it's he forces he's one of those guys that kind of forces words where they don't belong like and I don't like his voice. I don't like his flow. I'm like, you know, Rakim, Ice T, Ice Q. I like the, you know, guys like that, where it's, you know, Big Daddy Kane, and you can go on and on. I just never liked Eminem's style. Uh, hey, listen, I, I can't knock the guy. He made a billion dollars fucking doing it. But my personal preference is a more smooth flow than his style and, Hey, listen, you know, he's in the right place at the right time. He he was friends with uh uh, uh Dr. Dre's brother, uh stepbrother, uh Warren G. And that's how he introduced him to Dre. He said, This kid's got skills, and Dre's like, send me a tape, and then the whole nine yards, and the rest is history. But um oh, another uh uh I'll end it with this one because I love this one. Um the song and the name of the movie uh from 1988, song by Ice-T, Colors. Robert Duvall, Sean Penn. Walking, psychopath talking. King of my jungle, just a gangster stalking. Living life like a firecracker, quick as my fuse. Vendetta's the dead. That's the colors I choose. Red or blue because of blood. It just don't matter. Sucker die for your life when the shotgun shatters. The gangs of L.A., they'll never die. Just multiply colors. Colors. Yeah! I don't like your phrasing or your voice. It yeah, sounds yeah, well, like you forced some words in there. No, no, no. That's iced tea. I will never do hey, that. I hey, will never do hey, that. Hey, how, about, how, about, how about in the city in Warriors? Yeah, that was a good scene. You're, that's a good one. That's a good one. Keep, see, you can keep going on and on and on. This is, that's a good so, one. So, hey, well, you know, before we close out this segment, and I don't want to end on, on a down note, but our, our good friend, Scott, the IT guy, he actually mentioned uh, that thing you do, uh, which I, I don't know if I count that one because I think the music was manufactured for that movie. Now, don't get me wrong. Good movie. Very oh, entertaining. What's it about? Tom Hanks. It's a ta- Tom Hanks movie about a young 
band out of I think Pennsylvania that kind oh of, yeah, uh, yeah 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 uh, yeah I remember get, that yeah get, get into music you know they end up being kind of a one it's about the wonders right yeah, yeah, they end yeah, up on right. like you know kind of the equivalent of the Ed Sullivan show it's a great movie you know yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a fun movie Liv Tyler uh is is in it and um it was Mo Green is in it. I can't remember the name of the guy that that actually plays Mo Green, but Mo Green is in it for a half a minute yeah. or so. But but the point that I'm trying to make is is that Scott's right in that good soundtrack and whatnot. But I think that music was actually manufactured for that movie. And yeah. I'm not saying it's bad or good or anything like that. It's just different. Yeah, yeah. And and for the record. No song in a romantic comedy is a fucking good song. It's there's no good scenes, no good songs with good scenes that's in not true. romantic comedies. That's, I'm just uh, it's a fact. It's a fucking fact, and that's all there that's, is to it. That's not look, true. Look, 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 Louis Louis Colucchio. There he is, Alex Rocco. Plays Alex Mo Green. Rocco. Look at the Lou. He dug into that notebook. I'd love to get my hands on Lou's notebook. <laughs> you're gonna you're, you're gonna be um you're gonna buy me out, Mikey. You're gonna buy me. No, I buy you out. I, I, I'm Mo Green. Damn it! I made my bones when you were trying to nail teenagers. So I I wanted to talk a little about Alice Cooper because I heard a song the other day that I fucking totally forgot about, and I wished I had forgot about it. I wish I had stayed forgot about it. Right? What song is it? Fucking song, you and me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His his ah. kind of cheesy, ah. sugary ballad. Uh, so <sighs> he, so Alice Cooper band comes out, what? 69. They do a couple of, couple of albums and then they hit it with love it to death. Right. In 71. Um, that had 18 on it and had another, another song on it. Another, a caught in a dream, I think was another one. So that had two good songs on it. Right. So Alice is on a yeah, you know what I love about about the Alice Cooper story? It's such an organic classic tale of the the 60s. You know, those boys were all out in Arizona and obviously inspired by the Beatles playing on the Ed Sullivan show. And they did a talent show at their local school. And they instead of calling themselves the Beatles, they called themselves the Earwigs. <laughs> and only one of the guys, Glenn Buxton, who ended up being the lead guitar player for Alice Cooper could could actually play an instrument the rest of them were miming but they won the contest and they got such a reaction from the crowd that they were inspired to okay let's let's see what we can do with this and they went to a local pawn shop and they got instruments even though none of them knew how to play that's and they figured it out and and little by little you know most of the those original you know folks that were in the band they got weeded out because you know they weren't professional musicians they were making it up as they were going along like the Ramones? But that was kind of that was that was kind of the origins so yeah. don't be putting down the don't put down the Ramones I put them down I just did don't just put down did. the Ramones man what 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 are you going what what, what? They're, they're, they're the forefathers of most of the shit we listen to uh, don't give them that much credit. Uh, they deserve a lot of credit, dipshit. Yeah, okay. Three chord geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <You're a> moron. <laughs> so you know they they then they come out with um, a killer in seventy one. School's out, one of the greatest album covers ever. That um, 
one of the in the if if anyone in the world has the insert that came with it the the uh plastic panties that when you open the desk drawer you know because you lift up part of the fold and it's like got books and stuff in there and they had slipped in some plastic like really cheap like panties in there i don't know if anybody i've never seen anyone that had those or had the album that had it still in it I, I saw it in a record store a couple of years ago, and the guy was, it wasn't crazy money. It was under a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I was, I was tempted to buy it just because, you know, for the you know million yard sales that I used to go to looking for records yeah. and of the, you know, couple of hundred times that I've saw schools out, not once did I see the panties in there. No, You'll find big bamboo. I have like two copies with the rolling paper in it. Which is kind it's of just like you know, my high school years. The panties eluded me. I just I'm never so, got to see them. I just couldn't get my hands on those things. Just, just never got to see them. My tiny dancer never got to dance with a girl. Boo. <laughs> oh my God. So that Music said, relish, guys. You, you can have them. These are all yours. <laughs> they, re- they appreciate my humor. Thank you very Thank much. You. I appreciate it too. You better. It too. You better. So then they come out. I had the eight track billion dollar babies. Great fucking album. Right. That's now they, they, they're getting a little heavy. And then muscle love came out in 73. Again, he put out two. I think we talked about this when we had an episode on multiple like bands putting out year after year after year. Oh, we always seem to talk about it right back then. So they had two albums, in 73 muscle love, was a song in Teenage Lament 74, which made it onto the Greatest Hits album, right? It's, it's, to me, to me, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, the, the, the probably in my book, top three, top five, top five, well, there's so many albums, maybe top ten, Greatest, Greatest Hits albums. That is a, yeah, a bad ass. A lot, a lot of good stuff on there fucking badass greatest hits album and uh so then he goes solo like i'm 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 alice cooper now like i am alice right change his name everything right and he comes out welcome to my nightmare great fucking album concept album had a whole stage show he came on like he'd be like doing the uh, some variety show that tom joe whatever and have the big spider in the background he put on the whole but he did like a cool stage show not like a sticks fucking lame ass beta boy fucking show and i don't care if people <laughs> tuned out i don't care you know alice cooper had like fucking heads getting cut off and shit like that real fucking alpha male shit right testosterone driven right and with that he comes out with only women bleed which is a fucking yeah. good song it's a great song that that was his ballad. Like he he killed it with that. He killed it. You don't. I don't think you hear that enough on the radio. To tell you the no, truth, it's definitely an it's it's an underplayed song. And, and it shouldn't be because it's a very very good song. Am I? Are you being weight flagged down? Somebody? No, no. I'm just. I thought you were looking at somebody. No, I'm just. I'm just thinking, man. And, so and I agree with you. I th- I think that 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 song is fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is. And and he was like, "Damn, this is a whole different side of Alice Cooper, right?" And then Alice Cooper goes to hell comes out in 76, a year later, like they were used to doing. And he he has a song in there called 
I Never Cry. Oh, I don't know if you've ever heard that song, but you got to hear it once to just go, what the fuck? No, what he was doing was pretty obvious. Got a lot of attention, garnered a lot of, uh, made a lot of money off Only Women Bleed, sold a lot of albums because of that. So he's like, I'm going to do another ballad. And he does this, I Never Cry. And it's like, oh, fuck. You never, it should be, I never should have made this song. Yeah, but right. you, you know where they you know where that came from. <clears throat> you know, look, look, I have no doubt that Alice Cooper was complicit in in putting that song on. But that that is absolutely the puppet masters of the record company listening to the that that next record and, and saying, wait a minute, where's the only one bleed cut? You need is your ballad. A, a fucking drill behind you. Is that a painting of a of a of a a hand a drill? Yeah. <laughs> A black and Decker. Are they sponsoring the show now? <laughs> look at that. Jack painted it. Look at that. Hey, he painted. Nah, I like that with the drippy. That's good. I like that touch. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I'm not going to pay $800 for it, but I, it's fucking, I like it. I like it. I'll give it to you for $400 and two Alice Cooper records. Do you, do you take installments? <laughs> But there better be some panties in there or no deal. <laughs> I want those plastic. So then, okay. Okay, maybe he's a product of that, right? But it. Well, 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 you know, I mean, who knows whether he actually had. I don't miss that. <laughs> I don't miss it. I, I can jump off the show right now. I, well, hey, I'll just call fucking Lou. <laughs> Get the notebook ready, Lou. Lou, Lou, get, get get in the little golf cart. You're coming out of the bullpen, brother. Get the get that notebook ready. Start, start, start warming up. Notebook. Start warming up, brother. So go on. The 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 only thing that I was gonna say is is I'm not saying that Alice Cooper didn't have um you know his say and you know maybe he was on the on that that same ride but it, i mean to me it just reeks of you know the record companies getting in there and saying hey this work let's stick with the formula I, i'm with you all right you get no argument from me here but then in 77 comes out with the album lace and whiskey and that's where you and me fucking comes on so that's three albums 75 76 79, three albums three ballads and you and me is just as bad as I Never Cry. Fucking horrible. Horrible fucking song. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, look, listen to it again and really appreciate the shittiness of that fucking song. The shittiness, the pure sellout uh, of Alice Cooper. Like, you're Alice motherfucking Cooper. What the fuck? You fucking cut heads off. Oh, oh, and then there's the infamous, he, he, he stepped on, he had the high heel and he stepped on baby chickens. Remember that rumor on stage? (laughs) But but you know what? I mean, look, those, those latter albums of the seventies were, were not great records. Never mind the ballads themselves. They, they were not, you know, look, we, we've talked about this a number of different times. Artists and even bands, a lot of them have a creative arc. Uh, and he had his arc earlier in the seventies the and he kind of had the uh, Gilligan kind of stereotype. Like he suffered from 
like once the eighties rolled around, you know, he, he was done, you know, he was, he was a product he, of the, the early seventies, but he wasn't done. That's the problem. No, he, he, he kind of came back and he came back with uh poison. He had poison. He had constrictor. That was, I think constrictor was so constrict. Well, constrictor came out in 86. Right. And if you go and listen to that, right. He has a song called man behind the mask. And it is, and I'm saying this, me, I'm saying this. It was a synth disaster. <laughs> Trying to get that 80 synth sound in there. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. And then he has the other song off that album, Teenage Frankenstein, which sounds like a winger song. Oh, oh wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Winger was better. It, it, and interestingly enough, Kip Winger played bass for Alice Cooper for like three years. Yep. And the drummer, Ken Mary, played with Alice Cooper, ended up playing the drums for Winger when he went solo. And he was fucking better. He was better than Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper in the 80s was... It, it, listen, his greatest hits came out in 74. In 70, that was it. He never reached that. He, he lived off of a stage show. He still of, still does still off a stage show and his reputation. Now he sings with uh, the Hollywood vampires sometimes with Johnny Depp, Keith Richards. Uh, hey, listen, Johnny Depp and Jeff Beck's album came out and went right to number one on the album charts. By the way, yeah, and they're being sued for plagiarism. That's okay. They're both yeah, fucking okay. Good. <laughs> look, look, the, you know the, the bottom line is. is the, the bottom, yeah, the bottom line is is for me, Alice Cooper had a, a time and a place, and he did try to recapture it. And it was more about like, you know, look, I'm a visual artist. I should have a, a space on this visual medium that is MTV. And he had a modest hit with Poison that was really driven by that video. Yeah. But almost like those ballads in the late 70s, he tried to recapture it and he tried to modernize his song yeah. like a lot of people did in the 80s. And he, and he strayed too far away from who he was. Anytime that you tried to move away from who you are, you're you're in trouble. I mean, well, you know, look, I'll, 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 ju I'll jump to I'll, I'll jump to a, another you know, artist. You know, you think about um, you know another person that really suffered in the eighties was Mick Jagger. Yeah. He wanted to be he wanted to be a pop star. He didn't want to be in the Rolling Stones anymore. He wanted to cut out on his own, and he deviated from what he was good at. And he tried to do something different. It was a disaster. None of those records are good, in my opinion. No. So a couple of songs here and there, but you, you got to stick with what you're good at. Alice Cooper tried to get into that hair metal sound, and it was just right. like, what are you doing, dude? Like, you, you're lost. You're lost. You're an old man trying to be like, I'm going to hang with the young guys. I can do this. And he gets these young musicians, and we're going to regenerate and rejuvenate and these young musicians are like, yeah, we'll play with Alice Cooper, but I'm Kip Winger. I'm, I'm a little better than this. I'm going to go on my own and have a moderately successful yeah, but, career in but, the but, 80s. But for Alice Cooper, it did rejuvenate his career. He did gain a new audience. I don't think that the product or his artistic journey was was any good at, at all. He gained an, a new audience. Was it, though, was it? A forced audience because now he's fucking covered from you know beginning to end on MTV and it's like oh Alice Cooper how many of those kids fucking went back and listened to Billion Dollar Babies yeah. 
they, they, they wouldn't, I, you know what I mean? Like, so he had moderate success. No, he got a little popular again. His albums were never successful. Yeah, you know the the shame of it is is that you know you talk about that greatest hits record, and I do agree with you. It's a, it's a very very great, um, you know, greatest hits record and whatnot. You don't hear a lot of those songs anymore. No, which you, you don't. When, when was the, when was the last time that you heard you know my elected? Wheel. Yeah, elected. No you more. Know, or you know uh, the telephone. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, I mean it's 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 they should be played more, but. They'd rather play Pink yeah. Floyd 72 times in, in 24 hours, you know. Uh, now, the album's cover art, I think it's one of the greatest album covers ever uh, on, on Alice Cooper's Greatest Hits. It's got them all as gangsters, right, on the on the old car. It's like sepia. I, I don't know. I got the guy's name. Uh, let me see. Uh, Drew Strausman, Strozen, Struzen, uh illustration. So they're in, they're in front of a 1930s garage accompanied by such period movie stars as, and I know you did this. I know everybody did this because back then we knew who these people were. Edward G. Robinson. You, exactly. You looked at, so you got uh, on the cover, you have Humphrey Bogart, Clark Gable, Robert Taylor, Edward G. Robinson, Gene Harlow, Peter Laurie, and Groucho Marx. Like that's the cover, yeah. right? Mixed yeah. in with these guys, right? And then on the inner sleeve, there's a similar illustration uh, of the band surrounded by these other Hollywood stars, Marilyn Monroe, Gary Cooper, Judy Garland, Errol Flynn, Clara Bow, Boris Karloff, Zazu Pitts, Tyrone Power, Bella Lugosi, Marlena Dietrich, Tallulah Bankhead, Veronica Lake, and Alan Ladd. Now, a depiction of the same Valentine's Day massacre is in the upper middle of the fold, right? And that's the fame from the top view when they see, you know, the, they're going to get killed. Uh, so the album was released uh, by Friday Music Records on vinyl in 2013. It was re-released. What made it different than the original album? Do you know? Uh, I don't, but I, I'll guess that they updated the music or anything. Has nothing to do with they, the music. They, they, they updated the celebrities on the album cover. That's well, guess. that's a legitimately good guess, but no, it's they made it a gatefold cover. Oh, okay. Okay. They opened it up, right? Um, which mimicked the 1974 Australian release. Uh, See how they used to market these things, right? Sure. Whereas the original album that you had was just one album with the inner sleeve you know, with the pictures on it and stuff like that. So that, I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. So, okay. We beat up Alice Cooper. Now. Wait, 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 wait. we can't, we can't leave Alice Cooper. Okay. I mean, for me, the biggest letdown of about Alice Cooper. Yeah. Was the name Alice Cooper. Do you know the story behind it? Hey, yeah. I I've heard it a number of times. Um, well, weren't, weren't you hoping that this, this was going to be, let me be a lover. They sing about that in that song. Baby, let me be your, you know, they asked me why the singer's name was Alice, right? They kind of sing about that. Just, yeah. I sung again. I got to sing again. It was good. It was yeah, very I'm, nice. I'm getting better. Thank you. I'm, I'm proud of you. Very proud, proud of you. Of you. Yeah. Pretty proud of you. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> 
So go on. So, you know, you know, Alice Cooper, you know, back in the day, that was one of the, I'm not sure that I would call it a mystery. It was more of a curiosity in terms of where do they get their name from? And, you know, is there this big story behind it or whatnot? And there's really not much of a story to it. No. You know, the, the way that, the way that I understood it is, you know, they were trying to be, you know, outrageous and outlandish and whatnot, but they wanted to choose a name that was somewhat innocuous. Um, you know, so they chose Alice Cooper. It's not based upon anybody. I, I know that they mentioned in like, I think Alice Cooper actually mentioned in a, in an interview that they, he had referenced like Manfred Mann, you know, and kind of thought about that when they were talking about name in the band, but a, a bit of a letdown in terms of where the name comes from. It yeah. doesn't really come from anywhere. No, you want to expect a good story behind it, but they're really yeah. usually, isn't, you know, yeah. I like, unless it's Staley Dan and you know, a lot of people don't really know where that name came from. They had a whole number, a number of names before they settled for that one. <laughs> what about, what about 10 CC? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I, think i know the story behind that i know it's not it's kind of does it have to do with like, well that the room the rumor is is yeah. that's that's generally about how much comes out yeah, there you go that's what i thought yeah. that's what i thought that's what i heard that's what i heard <laughs> all right so let me throw some trivia at you now i asked i asked lou and tom last week i pitted i pitted oh, no. them against each other right so I'm going to ask you the same questions. I threw one question out. And the, the question I threw out last week, and I didn't, I'm not going to this week, is how many drummers did ACDC have in their career, right, from the beginning? It, it really kind of was uh, kind of a loaded question. It said 12, but technically there was six because two of them jumped, kept alternating year after year. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know the answer, but I was going to say six. Yeah, and that's about right. But you can say twelve because to, total guest, yeah. total guest. So almost. Let, let me put it this way: that that ACDC had just about as many drummers as Pearl Jam has. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So let me get to the questions. I'm going to ask you these nine questions, and I'm going to oh, see man. how you compare to those guys. All right. And they're not oh, they're not particularly easy questions, but they're very uh, like if you know this, you know this. Like. Tom pulled fucking two out of it. I'm like, where the fuck did he, how did you know that? Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little intimidated right now because I, I'm, you know, I haven't done the show in a little while. It's just trivia. It's just and, I, trivia. And, I'm, and I'm running on fumes right now, but go ahead. Give it to me. Just trivia. All right. Question number one. What was the first rock and roll song to hit number one on the charts? I would guess Bill Haley in the comments rock around the clock. That's one for one. Question number two. What did Queen vocalist Freddie Mercury attribute his enhanced vocal range to? His teeth. Mm, I need a little more specifics. His incisors, his molars. Uh, is it is it the way that his teeth projected kind of out of his mouth? I don't know. It's his four extra teeth. Yeah. Okay. Extra so, teeth. I, 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 I think I get teeth. that one. I said his teeth. 
But but uh, you, uh, you have look, to be that's the more specific answer. If it was his incisors or his molars, I would give you the teeth. But he has four extra teeth. That's pretty specific. I think yeah. I get at least half credit for that one. No. All right. The Rolling Stones appeared on a TV show while on their very first U.S. tour. Name that TV show. Ah, oh, la, 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 la. Um, I am going to guess, and I don't think this is right, but I'm going to say the Dean Martin show. <laughs> Why would you say that? Uh, it's, it's kind of a famous story. I mean, I don't know how famous it is, but the, but Dean Martin being kind of the old crooner, uh, kind of made fun of them before they okay. went on or. He he was he was he was busting their their chops. He was actually kind of insulting them to the audience before. Oh yeah, the Rolling Stones, aren't they great? Look at him! Wow, yeah, geez, it's nice that they dressed up. <laughs> you know, he he was kind of an asshole in that in that regard. All right, next question: Which hotel chain banned the Who for life? The Holiday Inn. There you go. All right, you're three out of four. I think for a number of reasons. I think the big reason was, if I remember correctly, Mr. Moon actually drove the car car into the pool. That's right. Yeah. A number of reasons is right. (laughs) All right. Which You know, just just goes to show you, you know, like how uh, rock music and touring is elevated. Can you imagine that back in the day you could actually walk to the Holiday Inn and run into the Who? The Who, yeah. All right, what band's lead singer is credited with popularizing stage diving? I, I again, this may not be right, but I I'll say that it was Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam. Somebody else said that. I was like, well, he I, was I, he was he was big into not, that back. Oh, right, it's not the correct answer, but the correct answer is Iggy Pop. Of the Stooges, yeah. Godfather of Punk, right? Yep. Makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. And I said this last week. I'll say it this week. He gets no credit for being one of the greatest frontmen ever in front of a band. He gets about so, getting so, the so, crowd electric. And so Deb, just Deb and I, and, and to the, in 2019, there's a four-part documentary on punk. Yeah. And it goes back to the origins of punk and where it started. And a lot of it, they attribute the origins, the genesis of punk, not necessarily New York City or London, but Detroit. No, Detroit. So they talk about MC5, the No, they're overrated, MC5. All right. Kick off the jam isn't a great song. Yeah. Okay. All right. Whatever. You might talk is better. It's, I mean, the, the Stooges were so much yeah, better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, we'll talk next week in, about that. If, in, if, in any of in, 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 I'm not around next Wednesday. Okay. Hey, Lou, you and Mark are up. <laughs> not a, big, big, big surprise there. All right. Next question. All right, but wait, wait a minute. Wait, let me finish. Let me finish. <sighs> so the four-part documentary on punk, they attribute a lot of the origins to uh, Detroit and whatnot. And Deb and I are watching, and I'm like, wow, they really kind of dial it back. The origin of punk is, is Iggy Pop. And she turns to me, she goes, Hey, moron, this 
documentary is produced by Iggy Pop. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, thanks, yeah. honey. It's <laughs> great, great documentary. Um, now that would be the American version of punk, because I think uh, Britain it broke a little earlier. Punk, but wait, we got, wait, 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 it broke. Punk broke earlier than in the the states. I would think so. I don't think so, my friend. All right. Well, all right. Next question. All right. Good argument. It was a, that was a great debate. Good job. <laughs> Listen, Mister, I'm fucking running on fumes. I'm trying to get you out of here. All right, keep <laughs> well, fucking. We've been on for what two hours? Keep dragging the show out. Keep keep doing it. I'm trying to help you out here. I thought you would fucking notice that. Hello, unless I'm getting a little irritated with you. So, anyways, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which so right now you got three right. You got three right. Which cool. Pink Floyd recording? became the first rock album to be played in space. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Legitimate guess, but no. Delicate Sound of Thunder. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. This is this one. You got you got three to go. Okay. This one is an interesting question. I think Phil Kelly wanted to see he said, ask Jack the Led Zeppelin question. I said, I'm going to ask him all the questions, okay? Okay. So, what is the only Led Zeppelin song ever recorded with a guest vocalist? The only one ever. Uh, That's a gross sound. That's what it sounds like, 10cc. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm going to say the Battle of Evermore. There you go. Yeah. For a bonus, do you know who who, who sang with him? I don't. I don't. I I, I would, you know, I guess it's Mary Clayton just because she was on so many of those old records, but I don't, I don't know that it's her. Sandy Denny. She was a British yeah. folk singer, very famous yeah, yeah. British folk singer. Yeah, I, ne- I right. never would have guessed. I never would have guessed that one. Thank you for that, Phil. Appreciate it. <laughs> what year was the first ever album from Aerosmith released? Uh, my guess would be that it would be Aerosmith's debut album featuring Dream On in 1973. There you go. You got it. All right. Last question. So now you what? You have five, right? Last question. How many encores did Elvis Presley usually give at his concerts? I think this is a trick question. I'm going to say he didn't. He didn't. That's right. Didn't. Why would you say that? Because, you know, a lot of those old performers didn't do encores. They came out and they did their show and they left. So there you go. You got six out of nine. Compared to, to Lou and Tom, who got three out of nine. <laughs> I so enjoyed that. Go. Thank you. Th- thank you very much. What do I win? You can get an extension on your contract. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what you win? 
You win the right to hear me say the top 10 this week in 1983. That was the year Holy you graduated. F- yes. You graduated? It would, would, it would have been 82 if it weren't for those two years in eighth grade. <laughs> All right. Number Dang. 10 this week in 1983. In the, uh, uh, this week in 1983, number 10, Fascination by the Human League. Number nine, Never Gonna Let You Go, Sergio Mendez. Not Rick Astley. Number eight, It's a Mistake, Men at Work. Great song. Number seven, Flashdance, What a Feeling by Irene Cara. Number six, Stand Back, Stevie Nicks. This is a good top ten. Number five, Is This Something I Should Know, Duran Duran. Number four, Flashdance was a popular movie that 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 time of year. Big, because big, maybe big soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Maniac. Well, Michael Simbello. Michael Simbello. What was that? What was the uh the song that they were playing when the chick pulled the water on herself and get up there? I mean, that talk about movie scenes. Hey, that had a couple of good scenes in it with songs. But who was listening to the songs? Oh, you know what I forgot to say is is, is probably the greatest music scene ever. From Dust Till Dawn, Tito and the Tarantula, After Midnight. With Salma Hayek. Yes. You can't play that. <laughs> That's a good song. Good song. All right. Number, number four was Maniac. Number three, he works hard for the money by the late, great Donna Summer. Number two. Sweet dreams are made of these by the Arrhythmics. And number one this week in 1983, give it to me. It's the fucking song of the year. Michael Jackson. No, Every Breath You Take by the Police. Yeah. Terrible, terrible song. Yeah, well, it was, it was a huge song. All right, This Day in Music. In 1959, uh, American jazz trumpeter Miles Davis released Kind of Blue, which is regarded by many critics. As jazz's greatest record, would you agree? It is a great, great record. Right. For, for me, for me, it's it's kind of blue. Something else with Cannonball Adderley, which is almost like the same lineup that's on Kind of Blue and uh, Love Supreme by John Coltrane are just they're ridiculous records. Just ridiculous. its influence on music, including jazz, rock, and classical genres, has led writers to also deem it one of the most influential albums ever recorded. On this day in 1968, the door started a four-week run at number one on the U.S. album charts with Waiting for the Sun. The group's third album spawned their second U.S. number one single. Touch me. I don't know. Hello, I love you. On this day in 1969, it was the final day of the three-day Woodstock Festival, which took place. We know where it took place. The acts that appeared in this order that day, the final day, Jefferson Airplane, Joe Cocker, Country Joe and the Fish, only known for the FU, the fish chair, they call it, but he wasn't really known for anything else. Um, Ten years after, with Alvin Lee and company, the band, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Johnny Winter, Crosby, Still, Nash and Young, Paul Butterfield Blues Band, Sha Na Na, and finally, Jimi Hendrix. Yes. It was a sad day on this day in 1973. Former Temptation singer Paul Williams was found dead in his car after shooting himself. 
He owed $80,000 in taxes and his celebrity boutique business had failed. Not worth killing yourself. On this day in 1979, the New York Post reported that Anita Pellenberg, the wife of Keith Richards, was linked to a witch's coven in in South Salem, New York, where Richards owned a house. A policeman claimed he was attacked by a flock of black hooded caped people and local youth claimed a local youth claimed he had been invited by Pallenberg to take part in pot-smoking sex orgies. Why couldn't that happen in Winthrop? Why couldn't they have that in Winthrop, Massachusetts? Why the fuck did oh, that it, be a New York? It, it did. You just weren't invited. Damn. What the fuck? And neither were you. Your tiny little dancer didn't get to do that either. Local <laughs> They found ritualistic stakes and small animals that had been sacrificed. On this day, 1991, Nirvana shot the video for Smells Like Teen Spirit at GMT Studios in Culver City, California, costing less than $50,000 to make. The shoot featured real Nirvana fans as the audience. The video won Nirvana, the best artist, alternate, blah, blah, blah. And it got the world record for being uh, Teen Spirit was the most played video on MTV Europe. On this day, I remember this one. On this day in 1995, Depeche Mode singer David Hahn was rushed to Cedar sinai Medical Center after an apparent suicide attempt. Police had found him at his Los Angeles home with a two-inch laceration in his wrist. Yikes. On this day in, in 2008, Jackson Brown was suing the U.S. Republican presidential candidate John McCain for using one of his songs without permission, running on empty, blah, blah, blah. Jackson Brown wanted more than $75,000 in damages. (laughs) On this day in 2019, Tool's Fair Inoculum entered the the U.S. Hot 100 at number 93, becoming the longest song ever to hit that chart, running at 10 minutes and 22 seconds. It outran David Bowie's Black Star, which clocked in at 9 minutes and 57 seconds. Fair Inoculum dropped off the chart the next week. Birthdays today. Sib Hashian. Hashian. Who's he? He was the drummer in Boston. There you go. And he died while doing a set recently in 2017 on a cruise ship. On this day in 1953, Kevin Rowland, singer of my favorite one-hit wonder of all time, Dexy's Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen, with 10CC. Born on this day in 1958, the beautiful Belinda Carlisle. Born on this day in 1962, Gilby Clark, best known for a three-year tenure as rhythm guitarist with Guns N' Roses, replacing Where's Izzy, Izzy Stradlin, in 1991 during the Use Your Illusion tour. Remember the video where they held up the sign, Where's Izzy? Because he just, that dude just bailed. He just fucking bailed. I'm done. I got my, I'm done. Send me my money. Uh, Born on this day in 1964, the cute as a button. I had a crush on her back in the day. Maria McKee, singer for Lone Justice. I want to talk a little about them next week. Just a quick segment on them. Interesting story. And finally, born on this day in 1969, Donnie Wahlberg, a great Bostonian. A great Bostonian. And that's it, buddy. You're done. You're done. Dorchester in. I got you. I got you in under two hours, buddy. Now get out of here. Wow. This is too long. Crazy. If, if you didn't, if you didn't get up at four thirty in the morning, and go to work, you would sit here for two hours and do this. Yes, I would. 
You would. Of course I, you would. I, you know, look, I, I would find any excuse to spend as much time with you as I possibly could. Look at possibly. you. You do like me, after I, all. You do yes, like goodbye. Yeah. yeah I was like, hey, you know, hey, I want to tell you. <laughs> that just, <laughs> he just cut himself off. That was totally planned. Totally planned exit. He just, he just fucking cut off from the show. Hey, by the way, good one. Good one. He waited one hour and 39 minutes to do that. Fucking Jack. That's good to have him back. And anyways, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for watching. I appreciate your time. Uh, like I always say, you are the engine that runs this machine. Without you listeners and viewers for the live stream, it would be me right now just talking to myself. <laughs> Jack couldn't get out fast enough. He'd never make it on a music relish podcast. That's a damn show. But anyways, uh, I, I guess he said he won't be here next week. So he's making his, I don't know, once every three-month appearance. So I'm sure my friends from the Music Relish podcast would be glad to pick up the slack. I hope they do. I hope they do. I could do a solo show if I had to. That's cool. I haven't done a Did You Know or anything like that for a while. But I, I, I like those guys, so I'll see if, if they're available. Hopefully we get Perry Dedovich, the, the leader of the gang, leader of the Music Relish gang. So uh, anyways, uh, as I always say, doing this show for you, doing this podcast for you, to quote my favorite artist, Morrissey, the pleasure, the privilege is mine, and I will see you guys next week.